I have been encouraged and helped and uh, spurred on in the Lord and reassured. And the Lord is so good. And uh, for a few moments, uh, I want to likewise encourage you in the Lord from Matthew chapter 1. You know, I have uh, been listening to a lot of Christmas music because I love it. And uh, the choir's done several of my favorites. And there's just a phrase from uh, Joy to the World that has resounded in my soul this month, and that's that God's work is done far as the curse is found. And that curse goes way down deep in me, way down deep in this city, way down deep in this world, and God's grace is greater than all the curse. Isn't that good news? A couple of things that you find repeatedly in the narratives of Matthew and Luke when it comes to what we would call the Christmas story. Number one, there's a lot of singing that goes on probably have noticed that. Mary sings. Zechariah is quiet for a good while, and then when he can speak again, he bursts forth in a song of praise to the Lord. The angels fill up the nighttime sky, right, at Bethlehem with a song. And not only is there a lot of singing, there's also a whole lot of thinking that goes on, thinking and reflecting, particularly when it comes to Mary and Joseph, Mary, we're told regularly, sees things, hears things, and the phrase the Bible used, she treasured all these things up in her heart, right? Joseph, you might not know this about Joseph, there's not one single word that Joseph ever speaks in Scripture. We're told things like, he considered these things. He resolved some things. He might not speak a lot, but he thinks a lot. And I'd encourage you in light of that, if you're to be a devoted follower of Jesus, you to be a thinking person, right? Be renewed, the Bible says, in the spirit of your mind. And I simply say that as a quick aside because you live in a culture that you can go through weeks and not really think. You put a screen in front of your face constantly that's always telling you things, but you've got to kind of lay some things aside in order to, to think. Singing and thinking. So every worship service we have at Calvary throughout the year, but especially at Christmas, we want to do both of those things because I think they always really go together. When you really think about what the Bible is saying God has done for you, it's going to lead you to sing. And in all of our praise and worship, we, we want it to be, of course, rooted in truth. That's what Jesus actually said. Those who worship will worship in spirit and in truth. And in measure, what he's saying is the excitements, the exuberance, the zeal of praise unto his name, but rooted in truth. I don't know about you, but I know that if I'm going to think rightly in my life, and know the truth, I need help, right? So one of, one of the helpful ways I've found in my life for my mind to be renewed is to take a passage of Scripture and just spend a lot of time with it. So here's the way that, you know, over the course of my life, I've worked it out. As I print off a sheet of paper that has a passage of Scripture, it might sound a little strange, but just work with me for a moment, and I take a walk, I really in my heart want to say, with the Lord, but the only way to know the Lord is to know His Word. 
And I really need help with this, so I'm always asking God, help me to be still enough, slow down enough, be sober-minded enough to really think about things. And one way that I've learned to do that, given from the Scripture, is blessed is the one who meditates on the law day and night. He's like a tree firmly planted, so I don't want my life to be wishy-washy. I want to have some roots. So I try to memorize passages of Scripture so that I can really think about it. So this morning, and then I was going to say much longer. That's a dangerous phrase for preachers. Much longer next Sunday at Christmas Eve. I, uh, I want to share with you what I've been think, hearing from the Lord as we study His Word. Here's the passage. You might be familiar with it. It's from Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. The Bible's account says the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When His mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. While he considered these things, behold, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now just for a few moments, I want to encourage you with a theme. And the theme is, is courage. So think about the courage it takes for Mary and for Joseph to Listen and obey the Lord. And as we see, particularly from this passage, the way Joseph models courage, I simply want you to know that if you're to be a devoted follower of Jesus, you're going to have to exhibit courage in the same way. I looked up the word courage in the dictionary, and I'm just going to tell you at the front end, I disagree with the dictionary's definition. Here's what the dictionary says. The quality, here's courage, the quality of mind or spirit that enables a person to face difficulty, danger, and pain without fear. It's the last two words that I think are not an accurate definition of courage. Courage is not facing danger, pain, hardship without fear. It's facing those things even and especially when you fear. God is coming alongside them constantly and saying, do not fear. He has to say that because they are fearful. Courage isn't necessarily a lack of fear so much as fear isn't the motivating factor for your decisions and actions. How does Joseph exhibit courage in this passage, got three ways. Number one, to be devoted to Christ, you're going to need courage to endure the world's disapproval, disdain, and criticism. Before they came together, Mary was found to be with child. Now, we're told that they were betrothed, right? Mary and Joseph, they were betrothed 
before they came together, she was found to be with child. And in those days, betrothal lasted about a year. And a betrothal between a husband and his wife-to-be was of such duration for this very reason. Before they come together, it's a test of sorts to see whether or not the bride-to-be is with child. Guess what? She is. And that's why Joseph is really wrestling because he knows the child isn't his. So everybody, everybody is going to say one of two things about Joseph, aren't they? Number one, they're going to say, Joseph, you are a flat-out liar. That child is yours. Option one. Option number two is, Joseph, you are a gullible fool. Right? Can't believe you actually believe that story about Mary being with child from the Holy Spirit. Every friend, every family member, that's going to be their conclusion. We know that's pretty much the case because Joseph, being of the house and lineage of David, went to Bethlehem, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth to her firstborn son. She gave birth and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In those days, families moved heaven and earth to help each other, especially family members in need. And I don't know about you, but I don't know of a greater need than she's having a baby. We need somewhere to stay. We don't have room for you here. Courage to endure the world's disapproval. But friends, I just got to flat out say, sometimes it's the courage to endure your own family's disapproval. The eye rolls, the are you kidding me? Or that's not what we planned for you, right? That'd be the, your experience if you're to be a follower of Jesus. People will think you're crazy. Now, at this moment, at this moment, it's 2023, in most Western countries, there's very little physical persecution of Christians. But there is increasingly ridicule, contempt, the can't believe you still believe those things. So you're going to need courage. Second, to be devoted to Christ, you're going to need courage to surrender the direction of your life to God. We need to check on this because following God is not getting Him to help you with the plans that you have for your life. Surrendering to Christ is about you submit to His plans for your life. And having said that, I can assure you, His plans for your life are always better than your plans for your life. Not easier, not smoother, just better. The angel says something that would have been very clear to Joseph that we might miss or we might misunderstand. You will call His name Jesus. Right? So in those days, if you're the father in the family... One of the understood deals that you would do is you'd name the child. It's how things worked then. When John the Baptist is born to Zechariah and Elizabeth, you might recall Elizabeth, remember John, I'm sorry, Zechariah can't speak yet because he didn't believe what God said, so the angel said, you're not going to speak anymore. So Elizabeth said, we're naming the baby John. And you remember what happened? 
everybody in the village looked at Zechariah and said, she's kidding, right? Paraphrasing a little bit. Nobody in your family has that name. First words he speaks is, now his name will be John. Why? Because it was understood. But what's Joseph told? You're not naming this child. And now we're starting to unravel this strange dynamic in the Old Testament prophecies. The government shall be upon, a child is to be born, the government will be upon his shoulders. That's not how it works. It's parents' responsibility to provide for their children. The promise is a child will come and provide for everybody. But Joseph is told, you will call his name Jesus. Now, friends, we live in a culture of self-determination. Now, some good things about that, but spiritually speaking, there can be some really dangerous things about that. Because if you're going to live with the spirit of nobody can tell me what to do, but friends, if you're going to be devoted to Christ, you're going to have to do something. You have to have the courage to do something that your whole culture says is crazy. You're going to have to deny yourself in a culture that says, exalt yourself. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Tim Keller, the author and pastor who died earlier this year, said it this way, we are told repeatedly in our society that one of the sacred laws is to thine own self be true, that we must always work to fulfill our deepest desires. There are enormous problems with this philosophy of life. It starts with the fact that our feelings change over time, and at any given time, they're usually in conflict with one another. We won't go into all these details now. We'll revisit it next week. But if Joseph, in this passage, he's a, we're told, a righteous man. But if he had followed his heart, if he had said, here's what I've resolved to do, think of the implications of that for him, Mary, so on. We have to be counseled. The heart is deceitful above all things. We need help. And God's drawing near to offer help. Now you're going to need courage. And I'm finding in my life this isn't a one-time thing. It's an over and over and over thing. Courage to admit I need help from God in the direction of my life. I want to take the steering wheel back. I want to do things my way. What's the reward for Joseph denying himself? Number, number one, we'll get to the reward, but just think about what he had to do. Number one, he had to admit he was wrong. I didn't know what I was talking about. I made some false conclusions. Second, now he's got to step in and actually join Mary. Mary's already there. He's got to enter into a life of being misunderstood. He is not going to be able to love his own reputation to track down every false statement made about him. Friends, if you're going to be a devoted follower of Jesus, you might have to give some of that up too. Especially in the endless online world, right? Think of all that he gains. Think of the moment, right? That, and I'm venturing out a little bit into the realm of imagination, but think of the moment that he steps in and locks eyes with Mary, and maybe even just by the look on his face, she can tell he knows 
and then he can tell he knows, she knows, that he knows. And that's a deeper and better relationship. And friends, you will never, ever, ever find a deeper friendship or fellowship than being in the room and being able to look across the room and seeing he knows that I know that he knows that Jesus is supreme and we're in this together. You should get that look a lot at church, by the way. Courage to endure the world's disdain and disapproval. Courage to give up the ultimate uh, direction of his own life. And then third, maybe the hardest way for us to have courage is that now Joseph is going to have to have the courage to admit that he is a sinner in need of God's help and grace and God to do a saving work in his life. We get that from you shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. The message of Christmas is you actually need to be saved specifically from your sins. You want to talk about the world's disapproval. That message that I just quoted to you is folly to the world. But that's how the Bible defines his whole mission. That means for you and for me, you have to have the courage to do one of the hardest things a human being can do, and that is admit you need forgiveness and pardon, and that you have not loved God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, that you have not loved your neighbor as yourself. And on one hand, have the courage to admit that, and then number two, on the other end of that, you're going to find that while that's been true all along, God could not have loved you more in the midst of you being like that than he has. That's what I like to call the beginning courage of being a Christian. Because without this step, nothing else of the devoted life to Christ is possible. So we're going to kind of close this morning's study with asking the question, what would ever motivate somebody to take that step? I think it's this. The thing that would motivate you to take a step and saying, I need God's help, is, is when you see that he's taken the first step. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way. But this is making a pretty remarkable claim about God. And it's that God has courage. Have you ever thought about how easy it would be for the God of the universe to never, ever, ever experience pain or suffering? To stay detached, removed, distant. When it says he will save his people from their sins, he's saying that God has come in the flesh and the God of the universe has made himself vulnerable. I don't know if this is even a word. Bleedable. 
stepped into the darkness for you. Courage to be laid in a manger. Courage to be misunderstood, misquoted, disdained. Courage to go to the cross. Courage to go to the tomb. What is behind courage? If you or I ever did something truly courageous, what would be behind that? It would be love, wouldn't it? Love is what would motivate you to sacrifice. Love is what would motivate you to lay down your life. What makes someone face danger in darkness? Love. That's why the Bible says, perfect love casts out fear. That's the only kind of courage that would ever be done without fear. So maybe the dictionary kind of got it right. I won't fiddle with that. But That's what's behind Mary hearing from the angel, do not be afraid. That's what's behind Joseph being told by the angel, do not be afraid. That's what's behind the shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night. The angel shows up and says, do not be afraid because I bring you good news of a great joy, which will be for all people. For there is born for you in the city of David this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It's the truth that one is coming who loves you. Remember where we started? Any truth of God ought to lead to praise. And all of our praise of God ought to be rooted in God can destroy sin without destroying all of the sinners. How does he do that? The most courageous thing ever done is he who knew no sin became sin. That in him we might become the righteousness of God. So I can say on the authority of scripture to everyone in the room. Do not be afraid. Be of good courage. You are deeply loved by God who has sent his son Jesus to save you. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the help we receive from your word. We are asking for grace, to be a people of courage. That it would take a lot more than the disdain, the disapproval, the contempt of the world around us to hinder us from being devoted followers of Jesus. Give us courage. Give us courage. And Father, in addition to the courage, help us serve and love the very ones who disdain God, we are called to something so much better than meeting contempt for contempt, disdain for disdain, insult for insult. We are called to love our enemies, pray and long for those who might persecute us to see you for who you are. God, if we love only our own reputation, we will answer insult for insult and try to track down every misquote or misrepresentation of us all day long. I pray you could free us from that and it'd be more urgent, more urgent to us 
what your reputation is in this city than what my reputation is. We ask for courage to admit we need help, to admit that really what Joseph does not need is your grace and enabling to go in the direction he was going. No, he needed grace to turn around, to hear truth, to love somebody else that he was thinking wrongly about. And that's such a picture of us. So give us courage to trust you even and especially more than we trust our own selves. And I pray for many here. It might be, uh, oh, there'd be so many reasons that they've really never come to a point of humbly saying, I need to be saved, I need to be rescued, I need to be redeemed from my sins. And the heart of sin is putting ourselves at the, on, the, uh, on the throne, really, instead of bowing to the one who does occupy the throne. So give us courage to confess we need the help of the Lord. Lord, I thank you so much for my church, so much for this morning together, so much for the truth of Scripture. Thank you that when you say to us, be of good courage, it is not some shallow, optimistic, throwaway line. It is a statement of truth rooted in the cross and the empty tomb and he who reigns on high and will soon come again, our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, our prince of peace in you. We thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.